welcome to Iteration, a weekly podcast about programming development and design. My name is JP, and I'm a software developer currently interviewing at companies. A little bit of a different intro that we'll get into in just a second. Uh, and today, as always, I am joined by John. Hey, JP. Yeah, as uh, JP said, my name is John. I'm a software developer for a home services startup. So this week, what are we talking about, JP? Today, we are going to be talking about just a bunch of just a bunch of random things, uh, just a mishmash bag of tricks. Um, well, you started the intro with not <laughs> a software at a, a, a reality startup, which is normally what you say. So yes, currently interviewing for companies, and I can say that confidently um, live on the air because I was laid off. And um, <sighs> kind of a big thing that happened to me on my birthday, actually, kind of a crazy, <laughs> just so all different, all kinds of emotions happening all at once. Um, two weeks ago to this day, we're recording on the 29th. I don't know when this is going to be published. Um, but yes, I've, I've talked to over a dozen companies in the last two weeks, which is actually a lot of... A lot of companies. When I when I think about um, my previous job searches, I don't think I've talked to nearly as many recruiters and um, just people at different companies in such a short time period. You know, so many people yeah. reached out to me on Twitter and LinkedIn and email, um, and overwhelmingly been. Uh, it's just ever, there's just been such overwhelming support. Over the last two weeks, and I'm so, so glad it, to hear it's, that, it's been good. But the crazy thing is, is that Open Door was a company where their layoffs were so big and um, so impactful. I guess in in the tech world that there were mm-hmm. articles on TechCrunch about about us ha- having layoffs. Like as soon, yeah. as, like maybe an hour after um, hour after we had that all hands where it would be announced that we got laid off. There's, you know, people are like, hey, I saw the article on TechCrunch. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And there's an article mm-hmm. that basically laid out exactly what was in our all hands of um, us laying off 35% of people, roughly 600 employees, which was all very, very crazy. But, um, you know, a lot of emotions, in the, like the first 48 hours after that announcement. But um, I'm doing a lot better. I've talked to a lot, a lot of companies. It's a really exciting time to be a startup. I, I guess I didn't know, I didn't know that there were so many startups looking for, um, I don't know, engineering leadership and whatnot. So it's all very yeah. exciting. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of what my last two weeks have been like, which is why uh, we didn't actually record last week. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy update, man. I mean, on your birthday, getting laid off, getting that news that your company is getting such a huge hit. But I think if you're listening to this and you're worried about layoffs in your company or you've just been laid off, um, like that's shitty. That sucks. Right now, COVID is just absolutely destroying the US economy. But if you are in tech, like as JP is saying, there is still a lot of opportunity out there. It might not be quite as right for the pickings. I feel like if you were an experienced developer, even just six months ago, you just had your pick of any city you wanted to live, pretty much could write your own salary. There was a lot of opportunity for developer. But I think the what's incredible in our industry is there still is a lot of opportunity for skilled developers, as, as you can tell. And JP's already interviewing for a bunch of companies. Um, I had a similar thing happen in the last two weeks. I have not been laid off, but in our very small startup, seven of our 11-person team got laid off, including much of my team. 
Um, and if you know any of that story, that was, that was a lot of the team that I brought over from the agency. And so that was a really, um, that was a really hard couple days, a couple weeks. It has been adjusting to the smaller team, a lot of hard conversations and transitions. Um, the whole team was super understanding and I've done my best to try to make introductions where I could to a lot of opportunities that are out there, which is really great. Um, but man, it's just this, this COVID world, like every big company is just slashing. I, I, most startups are slashing their expectations, but I think it's an interesting opportunity for a startup because like a lot of things are cheap for startups right now. Um, and there's a lot of hungry companies looking for unique solutions to things like the world at any point where there's an inflection point or disruption in an economy or a, a social culture, there's opportunity for businesses to capitalize on that. So right now, as everybody's staying home, it's like if you are in e-commerce, I, a, a good friend of mine has uh, an agency that does only e-commerce work, like they're absolutely slammed with requests to just totally re- revamp e-commerce and invest in e-commerce because there's there's so much opportunity now with a lot of physical stores unfortunately closing and those people laying off. So it's like this very strange, bittersweet time of layoffs, you and a lot of other friends and small business owners really struggling and my own team having to let some of them go, which was a really difficult thing, obviously more difficult for them than me. I don't want to be insensitive there, but um, it's just, it's a really interesting time. And I think a unique opportunity for startups because there is so much potential upside in this season, but there's just like a lot of adjustment pains and transitions. It's crazy stuff. Yeah, I've noticed there's two things that I've noticed over the last two weeks. And these are like my takeaways, I guess, is one, a lot of the companies, not a lot, a handful of of startups that I've talked to focus around collaboration. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's all these tools coming out now, especially that, you know, a lot of the workforce is remote, that collaboration is more important than ever. Um, and so there's a focus on how might we be able to collaborate asynchronously if we're not all in the same office together, I think is a question Mm -hmm. that people are starting to ask themselves. And also something kind of, I don't know, kind of random that I've noticed is that my action cable signaling server repository, like that open source, um, like video streaming thing has, we'll link that in the notes has gained like a dozen or so stars. Um, That's cool. Every now and then I'm like, oh, someone forked this. Oh, someone's looking at this. And in my head I'm thinking like, oh, I think people are trying to make like video chat Rails applications, which I think is is, is really cool. I mean, you think about how like Zoom is now now a thing um, that like people non-technical are using Zoom now. Like my friends are like, oh, hey, I'm going to jump on Zoom and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how do you, like, why are you using Zoom? And then I realized yeah. <laughs> like, because we all have to use Zoom now, um, yeah. which is kind of funny. And then the other observation I've noticed is that like, I don't know, I sometimes I have to sit back and realize how fortunate I am to be in tech and be, and be in such high demand. Um, I don't think that people who are, or I'll say this. I think people who are engineers that are getting laid off now are, are going to have a much easier time getting a job. You might It might not be the job that you mm-hmm, had or it might, mm-hmm. it might not be the dream job. Um, yep. But if you wanted to get a job and you know put food on the table and make money, it's, yep. it, you're going to have an easier time. It's just, pl- it's yep. just plain and simple is, is the truth. Um, I can't imagine someone in like the food service industry that got laid off getting hit up by recruiters nonstop. Like there's... You just not it's just not going to be the case, um, yeah. which is very sad. And, and sometimes we have to realize how fortunate we are to be in tech and to be in a space where people are actually coming to you. Um, 
you know, it's it's a crazy thing that this layoff for me has opened so many doors um, in such a way that I don't think that I would have had this many opportunities or be talking to nearly as many companies if I wasn't laid off, which is which is kind of a weird thing to happen. Um, but all, all in all, I think um, it though it did sting at first, you know, um, it's mm-hmm. kind of an exciting time to like move forward and see what the next opportunity out there is. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting to watch from a distance the whole open door layoffs because all of a sudden 600, like open door is a very respected tech company, like from a technical perspective in the industry. And it's interesting to see that batch of new talent get in the, I feel like the sharks just started swimming, like all the recruiters and all the people, like, I feel like I've talked with a few different people who are like, Oh yeah, there's just so much new talent from the open door layoffs. And it's interesting because if you're a founder or a leader of a tech company right now, you do look at that as this glut of talent and it's an incredible opportunity, but it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like I said, it's very bittersweet because there's always to someone's downside is oftentimes someone else's upside. Um, and that's like the unfortunate truth about the economy sometimes. And I'm not, I'm like, I'm trying to be careful in the conversation because like you mentioned, people in the food service don't have this same type of opportunity. And I want to acknowledge that privilege. Like, If you are in tech, even if you're struggling right now, generally your struggle is going to be less so than unskilled labor. And I think that's something to remember and appreciate and be thankful for that you may not be able to get the exact tech job you want at this moment, but you can get a job and and you could probably get one pretty quick and probably easily remote where a lot of other skills and industries aren't so remote. Um, So that's interesting. I'm curious for you, JP, um, maybe there's people out there who are afraid of a layoff coming. I'm wondering, and however much you're willing to share, I'm wondering if you can share like how it actually happened. You know, something that you know is a little less scary. So what did that look like in terms of how did they tell you? And did, was there any like severance opportunity at all? You don't have to share the details, but I'm just wondering like what that looked like just to like try to put the veil off the monster of impending layoffs for people out there at all. If you're, if you're open to that. Yeah, certainly. I think there was a feeling, um, I had a premonition that this would happen. And Mm. the reason being is because one, it's the real estate industry and everyone's already talking about how the market's going to crash and blah, 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 blah. We're going to hit a recession. How are these real estate companies going to survive this? And no matter how many times your leadership tells you in an all hands that everything's going to be okay, you still (laughs) have that nagging feeling that's just like, is it going to be okay though? Um, So to me, this wasn't completely out of left field. Um, Yeah. Although what I'm speaking to is most likely confirmation bias that like I had a premonition and then mm, it happened. And right. so I like, and then it happened. Yeah. And then it happened, but I knew it. <laughs> yeah, of course I knew I was right. But, yeah. um, I think because I was like mentally prepared for it. Um, I, you know, you just have to sort of take a look at the industry that you're in. I'm in real estate and mm-hmm. you know, our, Open door in particular is very capital intensive, right? Because we purchase homes. Um, And when something like this pandemic happens and you're not able to, um, you know, clear homes, clear inventory that we have because people are just, you know, buying fewer homes and and there's restrictions on, you know, even being outside, um, there's a lot of uncertainty in place. And so when you take a look at factors like that, it it sort of made me think like, okay, you know, 
the possibility of a layoff is very real. How, how prepared mm-hmm. am I for this? Right. But if you're in like, um, if you're working at like Zoom right now, I'm sure yeah. you're not worried about layoffs. <laughs> or if you're working at any sort of like asynchronous collaboration tool like um, Asana Notion. or Slack or Get Notion, exactly, yeah. exactly, GitHub. yeah. Um, you're not thinking about layoffs, um, no, and right, quite the so. opposite. Yes, yeah. they're in fact they're probably looking to hire even more aggressively mm-hmm. right now. But I mean, if well, you're even like for, you were saying, several of your interviews were with collaboration tools and yep. those types of things. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Sorry, you're saying. Oh yeah, well, I was just saying like, but if you're working at like an Uber or Lyft or like um, you know things Ugh. like that, where you know you kind of rely on the you know not being a shelter in place. Then, mm-hmm. then it's sort of like, hey, you know, maybe these things are coming, um, but you know, I, I I don't know. It's it's tough because like I'm the kind of person that likes to plan really far ahead, and if this year has taught me anything, it's that like you should always have a plan B. Um, you mm-hmm. can't always expect things to be so golden path, right? This is like sort of like writing code without thinking about exceptions. Yeah, or, that's true. Or yeah. like you know. Um, so like exception wh- handling in your life. I, I like that concept. <laughs> yeah. And just like this, I feel like this pandemic more than anything has made me remember that nothing is certain. Yep. Um, just nothing. You know, my parents had a few friends who got COVID and they were older and it was like very touch and go whether or not they were even going to survive and thinking about my parents and them surviving and, and, and just layoffs in the team made me realize like, okay, no job is for sure. No job is for certain. Um, and just really wanted me to get more discipline around things like having an even better emergency fund to cover for unexpected expenses or job loss and understanding things like unemployment. Like I didn't understand them at all before now. And even though I haven't been laid off, like I took the time to like, okay, what is unemployment benefits? How does it work? What does it look like in the new stimulus and, and, and those types of things just to get my head around it just in case, cause I didn't even know before. So now I'd be maybe a little less blindsided. Um, that's really helpful to hear your perspective there. And I, I, I think it's good for people to know that, you know, if you have a hunch, you might be laid off, you know, maybe you start working on that side hustle or re-upping your resume or working on those skills or being more aware. Maybe as well, you can dig into your current job and try to make yourself even more invaluable. So when that list comes through and your manager is trying to decide who to cut and not cut, you don't make that list. I think to some degree, that's a false thing. Like you can never work so hard that you can never be laid off. So I, I wouldn't over bias to that, but also you don't want to check out because you hear layoffs coming. And so you check out, then obviously you are going to be the one who's going to be cut. So it's a very nuanced and complicated topic. I, I'm curious, you've done, I mean, over 10 interviews in the last two weeks. How many interviews have you done in the last two weeks? Um, interviews themselves are tough. I would say like recruit recruiter like phone screens, conversations, conversations over a dozen. Um, wow. Even yesterday, I think, was that yes? No, sorry. It's Wednesday already. Um, on Monday I had like six or seven hours worth of like talking with people the Tuesday before that I had literally had like back to back to back to back meetings from like 10 to three or something ridiculous like that. Um, but I think I've had technical screen like technical interviews like a handful yeah. like roughly four four or five technical interviews um overall a lot i mean it's like it's honestly a full-time job i don't know that something like this would be possible <laughs> yeah. if i had i don't know 40 a hours job. of yeah, yeah if i had a job 
Um, but yeah, it's 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 been overwhelmingly good in the last two weeks, and I think I finally and- have gotten over the sourness of being laid off. I think the, <laughs> I think, and I say sour because I, the biggest thing that. Um, the biggest reason I would say that is because it's it's honestly a hit to my ego. It, like, bruised my ego. Like, to be on the list sure. of people that laid off, of got laid off, I'm like, what, am I just not good enough? Shit, like, man. like, why yeah. me? I thought I was the shit. But, um, you know, it's it's not it's not about me. It's about, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a, a larger picture. pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Historic pandemic. And I think that's really good to remember that because you're laid off, it, it doesn't mean that you're not valuable or talented. Um, it means that there's a catastrophic event and nobody can pay all their bills. And so there's just, there's cuts that have to be made and it's not personal. It doesn't, and oftentimes in who gets selected in those types of situations, oftentimes it's just like sort the spreadsheet by whatever they sorted the spreadsheet and the bottom half gets cut. Like that's how these things happen in practice at scale. And so it's really a toss of the dice of whether you get cut and things like this. It's not always that you were the most talented or least talented, but going back to the interviews, um, just for people out there. So I have two kind of questions. My first is where have all these leads come from for you? And then my second question is, can you describe a little bit of the processes you've seen, like how many phone screenings you got versus getting an interview scheduled and what that was like, just in case there's people out there kind of doing this job search? Yes. So I was fortunate enough to be part of a company that was so big that there was a TechCrunch yeah. article, first of all. <laughs> right. And, and so there was a spreadsheet that was going around that was basically like, uh, hey, these are all these talented people at Open Door that just got laid off. And there were even like tabs that organized it by like, um, engineering, product design, operations, customer support. And there was this like really big Google, Google sheet that circulated on like LinkedIn and Twitter and this and that. And so I was getting a lot of cold emails just and leads just from that. Um, I don't think I like, I didn't reach out to anybody. I didn't apply to any jobs. Like the people that I'm talking to are people that reached out to me. Um, so I got emails. I got, um, I got messages on LinkedIn. I even got messages on Twitter. Um, because I tweeted very bitterly that I got laid off on my birthday. Uh, you know, I was like, Hey, if I become Twitter that's famous, off of this, man. <laughs> that's fine. I'll take the clout. Um, and then also just like personal introductions, you personally introduced me to a company. I had a couple of coworkers that were like, Hey, um, these are some companies that are hiring that I know the recruiting manager, or I know like an engineer engineer there. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's just been a lot of back and forth on emails, um, hot tip is that if you're in high demand, it makes your life a lot easier if you set up a Calendly. And so what I would do to avoid like unnecessary back and forth of like, oh, hey, when are you free? I'm free next week. Yeah. What time's good for you? God. I would just drop a link in my email and say like, hey, um, schedule time on my calendar and um, let's chat. Yep. And so that is basically like how the interview how process. How you got, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's how it's it's been for me. Um but another hot tip there is like also block out time in your calendar so that you're not getting wall to wall to wall meetings. And also, um, you got to do this thing where you don't make your your blocks thirty minutes because people will have wall to wall meetings. You got to do like twenty five minutes and like mm-hmm. uh, fifty five minutes. Otherwise, you're gonna be like if people can you know fill time in your calendar, they will. Yeah, I'm uh, changing that today. I'm changing it to like 22 minutes and 52 minutes. Yes. I, I have to change that setting today because that's the worst. And people, you get like three things booked and yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a really good tip. Um, man, it's interesting. 
I feel like the difference between not that it doesn't suck because it sucks to be laid off and that's still a challenge, but it's interesting the difference between if you are in tech and have these high demand skills and a layoff and an economy like ours versus if you're in a different industry. Like nobody out there has back-to-back interviews with a bunch of companies. That's, yeah. that's awesome, man. Yeah. And that's that's a testament to your talent, definitely. It's also a testament to our industry. And I just like, that's awesome. I love our industry that there's there's so much demand out there for the skill base. Um, so that, that's really cool. Okay, so besides um, COVID, layoffs, staying home, interviews, what else has been going on with you? What else has been going on with me? Yeah, you know, uh, it's tough because like that's sort of like what my life is now. <laughs> sure, it's, nothing else. <laughs> it, it's it's weird because the first you know I've been working remotely now in this pandemic since like the first week of March, and so now yep, we're approaching May. Well. It's been two months, so I feel like mm-hmm. this is just like the new normal for me. You know, I mean, I've yeah. had stints of working from home before, but. It, this is just like so different. Like I can't, I tried getting coffee yesterday. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to see if Phil's is open or like, I'm going to see if Regent coffee down the streets open and like they're, they're, they're open, but you have to order online via some app that mm-hmm. I can't even figure out how to download. Um, and so like just little things <laughs> like that are, are very, I don't know. It, it's making this whole experience quite different, I would say. Um, but you know, I think this is like a good segue to talk about like government, websites and stuff (laughs) because um you know with unemployment and whatnot i felt actually kind of weird i was like should i like do i even deserve to apply for unemployment because like yes no i know but like the 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 thought in my head is like therefore we are so privileged to be in tech and to be getting paid absurd amounts of money um and i did get severance i got um like a solid severance and it almost it almost feels like unfair to people that you know, get laid off without severance mm-hmm. and, and don't have like a high paying job, you know? Um, yeah. but that but being said in our government and the way things are structured, you getting unemployment doesn't take it away from someone else. Sure. So, cause I'm something I'm contributing that's really to... important to remember you contribute, you pay it in. And that's what the system is there for between jobs. And even those who have savings, I feel like I've talked with a couple of people who are reluctant Unemployment is there so you don't have to dip into that savings. So yes. you can bridge the gap to your next place. And so I think it's, and especially with how much unknown there is in the economy, I mean, if COVID grows 2X in the next month, which is like, unfortunately, a technical possibility, there might not be the same opportunity. And so giving yourself as much runway as you can is possible. And I hate to drive that home, but I've talked with maybe like, I feel like all of us millennials are like very careful about taking a handout, don't want to take something that's not ours. I would feel the same way. But I've talked with a lot of friends. I'm like, no, go apply for unemployment. Like if you have a small business, go apply for a PPP loan, which Mm -hmm. is like the stimulus for small businesses because you applying doesn't take it away from someone else. And that's what it's there for. We've paid into this. And and so, but yeah, that's that's a good point. And I would love to talk about the state of tech a bit because I feel like this pandemic has, I was reading an article yesterday and I'll link it in the article notes. It was some big medium piece about how um, the economy has just hit so hard. And here's some of the reasons. And they made this point of if we were to restart the economy today, we wouldn't build things like shopping malls or like a mm-hmm. Target. Like the idea of that, it just wouldn't exist um, because like there's other ways to solve these problems. There might be specialty stores and boutique shops, sure. But this idea of a supermarket for just stuff, a Walmart, it wouldn't really exist with, with things like Amazon. But there was like a couple things that came out of that. And one of them was how ill-equipped small businesses were to handle this. 
like specifically the few coffee shops and coffee roasters or breweries around me, like the local brewery started doing this order online and we'll drive it by your house. And they tried to like hack it together with their WordPress site and it just didn't work. And I ordered coffee from a coffee roaster and they charged me triple shipping on accident. It's, it's interesting how ill-equipped small business was. And at the same time, how well positioned a company like Amazon was in this situation. And if you look at Amazon's growth numbers in the last two months, they're up like incredible amounts while all of the small businesses are down incredible amounts. And so it's interesting as a tech person to look at those things and realize it's not that hard. Like go get Shopify, go get Squares Checkout. Like you can solve some of these problems as a small business and seeing how much opportunity there is if small businesses can adapt to online, they can really start to compete with Amazon because a lot of people want to support what's around them, but just like don't have the option or their shit just breaks. And I can't tell you how many like small businesses I've tried to support and their shit's just broken. And it's so frustrating. I wish I could help them all. Have you experienced the same thing you were saying, like the Weird Phil's coffee app? Like, have you seen stuff like that? Okay, so I drive by this place called Regent Coffee and right. it's on this block um, with a bunch of other like restaurants and stuff. And I noticed they all have the same sign and it says something like, um, we are closed, uh, check out like, or sorry, we're open, but we're taking online orders only check out glendaleca.gov for more information. And then it's like download uh, to order. You have, it's like not on Postmates. It's on this <laughs> app called Closevid. Um, or <laughs> something like this. Okay, but the thing is, is that I could not find this Closevid app anywhere on the App Store, or right. I couldn't Google it. I was like, go- I literally Googled so many different combinations of. Like you wanted to give them money, yes, of Glendale CA uh, government application Closevid food ordering app, like various combinations of that. Could not yeah. find a single thing. What was really funny to me too is that it had this like Closevid app. Um, banner like advertisement and the O and the O and the I don't know there were two letters that formed like a sideways infinity I think like the E mm. and the something else the C it's I don't know future much wow I don't know but the thing is is that that made it so illegible that I was like I don't know what letters these are now why is this like right. why why did this get turned into like a an infinity and why can't <laughs> like why is there just not like a QR code or something or like why why isn't there just like in very plain I don't like a bitly link that has like a the a link to the da- like download or something or like text this number yeah. to download our app or something like that. Um and I sat in my car for 15 minutes before I finally gave up and was like fuck Ugh. this I'm going home I'm going to I'm going to find something on Postmates instead. Like yesterday yeah. I had this goal of just like eating out or like getting something like out and not sure. or whatever yeah. just to feel like a little bit more normal and Yeah. That was just so frustrating, and I was like, I guess companies are not, like, equipped to do this. Like, I don't understand right. why it, they wouldn't just be on, like, the 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 Postmates platform. Maybe there's, like, some, I don't know, bureaucracy around that or something mm-hmm. or other. But, like, to me, that was just all very interesting that I could – I wanted – I was like, take my money. I literally shouted to the, the barista, like, <laughs> hey, can I order something? And he was like, you're going to have to download the app. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and I could. It's hard. And yeah, and it's crazy. Like I said, there's so much opportunity if these companies can figure out that tech piece, but it, it's hard for them to adapt. And I think the fear that I have is that these entrenched big guys, even the Postmates to some degree, yep. the Postmates, the Amazons, like they will just be it. And our whole lives will be like Wally with what is, what is that store? Like a Biggie Mart or whatever on Wally. Yeah. It's like everything is served by those marts. But at the same time, 
I really want these companies to be available and I want it to be convenient. So there's so much out there and ways to do that. But yeah, it's interesting to see that the state of tech, even the state of people's competency regarding like video chat and remote collaboration, like not having a boardroom meeting and a whiteboard, there's so many companies that are just broken. And it's just like, come on, fuck guys, it's not that hard to spin up Google Hangouts or Zoom and to start learning this remote async style of work. Because, and that's the other thing that's like totally frustrating to see is there's some companies that like are just like, see, remote work doesn't work. And it's like, well, also we're all really stressed out and afraid we're going to die. Like regardless of remote work, it wouldn't only be that. And there's also companies that are like trying to keep the exact same structure. So always on cameras and clocking in, clocking out at set hours. And it's really frustrating to see that because there's so much opportunity with allowing your team to be more async and be more productive in the hours they're productive and those types of things. Um, But man, speaking of bad websites, I I feel like nothing is worse than the current IRS site. So in the US, I know a lot, we have a lot of international listeners. Our government has issued a stimulus, which basically means they give individual companies and individual people money. They just give them money to try to keep things up and running and keep you going. They know that everybody is economically hit and they're trying to just keep money flowing in the economy. So it was huge. It was like, was it $3.4 trillion they allocated to the stimulus? So this website that's called getmypayment.gov.us, something, I'll link it in the show notes, but it's basically a website that you go as an American citizen, you enter some information, and you confirm your payout. Now, if you don't enter this information, what the government will do is they'll just mail a check in somewhere between 12 and 14 weeks, which for many people... Well, that's way little too late, like 12 to 14 weeks when people are getting laid off now. What the fuck? That's not going to do anything for me to pay my rent this month. And so you go to this website, you fill out this information. And so the reason to go to this website, fill out this information is so that they don't mail it in 10 to 14 weeks so that they can just send it via wire transfer. And the other problem here is that they send it to wherever you last filed your taxes. And I have moved twice since I have filed my taxes. So like I have, I can't get a check in 12 weeks from two houses ago. And there's a lot of people in that situation where if the government were to mail their check to their previous address, they wouldn't be able to get that check because they're just not at that address anymore. So anyway, I go to this. So that's the setup of what this website is. I go to this website and they just break every single like user experience thing, like just 101. So like the first thing is validations aren't until after submission. So you fill out all the information and you enter, you know, you have to enter last year's adjusted income. So I I enter that number like like a money. So I put a money sign and I put the money in and and it just says, oh, you have to enter integer values only, whole integer values only. (laughs) And there's a lot of people out there who have, they have sense on how much they got back or owed or what those things were. So it, it just makes no sense that it's integer values only. What, you round it up or do you round it down? Uh, And it's until after submission. So it's just like, holy fuck, are you kidding me? Was it one of those things where it was very clearly just like the server error that's like being spit out on the front end and it wasn't like a human human readable, like friendly thing? No, no matter what error you submit, it it gives a information does not match our records, even if it's a validation error. Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, and and I there's a part of me that wants to be a little bit understanding because I actually did some research into this because what's under the hood is this old 
basically single servers somewhere in Virginia, <laughs> and it all runs Cobalt. So they built this front end on it to try to meter to that back end. So they ha- they stood up this website and they stood it up really quickly to their credit, but it's just utter garbage. And there's like some other things that are very, very basic. It technically only officially supports Firefox and does not support mobile devices. And here in the US, I think it's like 30% of people, their only computer is their phone. So that just cuts out a ton of people right there. And then there's these other issues where you have to enter your address. Like for example, if you live on street or avenue, you have to enter that as ST or AVE. And it doesn't tell you that up front. And I've just been in these Reddit forums, like trying to help people and support people. And and there's this one Reddit thread, I'll link it, has like 120 replies of people trying to support each other and figure this out. And I have been trying every single day for nine days because now it's just a matter of principle and I still have not been able to get my money out. And I am somebody who fully understands the technical side. Like I build websites and I am meticulous about my record keeping. So I, I have all of my records, like the original IRS documentation submitted. And so it's just, I, here's the thing that is really hard. There's people out there who need this money now and they just can't get it because there's a broken website. And so it, I think it's important, like, to keep in mind user experience matters, sometimes to people's livelihood, especially in this case. And a little bit of tweaks on the user experience and they would actually be able to use this site and get their money in time. Because that's the other thing. If you make three errors on the website, even if they're validation within 24 hours, it locks you out for 24 hours. Oh, wow. That's so, so you have three twi- You have three tries to get it right and then you can't go back for 24 hours. And they're, they, like I tried different devices using incognito, they do it by IP. And so the only way that I could use it, and even more so if you enter similar information, because I even tried to go through like a proxy server. So like I went on even to get more tries and you can't, because if you enter anything generally like that street address, and so there's also bad actors in there trying to get this money out. And so some people are going in and their tries are used up for the days and they haven't even tried once because bad actors are trying to get their money out. Wow. It's just like fundamentally such a fucked up system. It's Hold, so bad. My question to you just really yeah. quick is how did you come across this um, realization that you needed like ST versus like street fully spelled out in the address? Like Only some, in Reddit. Oh, wow. Only okay. in people in Reddit and figuring this out. Like this community in Reddit is trying to figure this out. And and I actually, luckily, I have an emergency fund. We don't need this money. My only fear is that it's going to mail to this previous address. Yeah. And then the money will just be lost or cashed by someone. So I just want to get it to the right place. I don't care if it comes in 12 weeks. Like, I don't want to clog the site for people who need the money now. But at the same time, I also am really genuinely trying to support these other people on this Reddit thread who are, who are, they're like, my rent is due in four days. I've been trying for the last six days. Please help me get this so I can get the wire in time to pay my rent. It's just like, fuck, man, I want to help you, but this is so shitty. So yeah, the only way that I knew the street versus street, like the S-T versus S-T-R-E-E-T was literally in this Reddit thread, which I'll link. Yeah, it's crazy. Man, it's like on one hand, um, couldn't you just use like, Google like a regex or something and then like have a like a really easy front end validation before any of that stuff even happens. And on right? the other and on the other hand, I'm actually a little bit sympathetic um because I totally get it. I fucking hate writing form validations. Like I I, <laughs> I hate because there's like multiple layers. Like if you really want to do it right, you're going to have some front end validation that checks before yep. you even submit it to your server. Hit submit. 
Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have your server as a, like the backup and saying like, you might even have like model validations on your server that like spit back errors out after the fact too. So you have like multiple lines of defense, I guess. But I got to say, it's tedious work. Like I totally get it. Um, yeah. But I've, I mean, people's, you're right. Like people's livelihoods are at stake. And so this is one of those scenarios where you really want to have that stuff covered. Um, not just because it's quote unquote, like good UX, but because it's like, you're actually preventing people from doing like from getting money because of things that are potentially not even their fault. Like they, maybe they, mm-hmm. they, maybe there's a typo or maybe they're just not, um, maybe there's like some address check where it's like, you know, they're, they're inputting the address incorrectly, but they don't know that they're putting it incorrectly. Yeah. So that's it's all interesting. very unfortunate. Well, government websites in general are just absolutely atrocious here in the U.S., and it's mainly because we follow this model of cheapest bidder always gets the work. That's how government contracts are structured, and it's to avoid corruption, but then it has this side effect that no matter what, whoever bids the cheapest gets the work. And so when you have a big website build like this, they always have to send it out for bid, and by law, whoever's the cheapest gets the work. So then we have... That's how it works. And so we end up cutting corners in the work. And at the same time, there's so many committees and people involved in this thing that it's impossible to satisfy all the stakeholders. And so you just end up, have you ever heard the term that a camel is a horse designed by committee? Like, oh, that's wow, what you that's end funny. Up with. I've never heard that you before. End up with, you end up with a camel. Like every single US website I, uh, is just so built by committee that it becomes a camel because there's compromises all over the place and it's the cheapest price tag. And so there's a piece of me that sympathizes, like our government wants better sites and so there's a lot of institutional issues that make that really, really difficult that I remember back in, I think it was 2010 or 2015 when um, our new healthcare program rolled out and the healthcare websites just weren't working and we couldn't sign up. And yet at the same time we were being issued fines because we weren't signing up for it. And yet the website didn't work. It was so fucked. And it's frustrating to see this, that we still haven't learned our lesson from a technology standpoint as, as a government. Dang. I did not know that cheapest bid wins. Um, as soon as you said that, I don't know. I don't know if you watch like parks and rec, but I kind of like, for uh, sure. (laughs) I kind of imagine like a bidding war going on for like making the cheapest website for this stimulus thing. And then like John Ralphio winning or something. And then, (laughs) and then it becoming this like really terrible website that like does not even work, but it like, yeah, it like looks modern kind of, but like, I don't know. It's like trying to look cool, but like it it actually doesn't like you just want it to function. For sure. And it's the quintessential waterfall, waterfall too, because all of the specifications have to be defined up front, every single screen, for it to be bid, because that's how you can select the lowest bidder. So there's not this <laughs> ongoing improvement going into the project, and that's one of the other problems as well. It shows how much iterative design is so important, and like user research. And you can't when you have to design front load all the design. And that's how you end up, you posted a screenshot of the census form, because we were going to talk about bad government websites. And like that's how you end up with the stuff that every selection on this is a question. So it's like, on April, was there house, apartment, or mobile home? And it's just like, rented? Every option? is a question it's just like so weird design yeah so okay yes so the, what you're describing is i um i've been getting mail i've been getting um mail every other like couple days that i need to fill out this census thing and yeah. i've been checking my mail less frequently because you know trips to my mailbox i have to like go around the corner and i'm just like trying to touch fewer things outside just to be you yeah, know for sure um, touch fewer surfaces in case of like because of the coronavirus right 
And so I've been kind of avoiding mail. And finally, I was like, okay, I need to see this like census thing. I know this is like, I know this is like, it's my civic duty or whatever to fill this out. Um, it's just basically like a survey so that the government knows how to like allocate resources, I think. Um, and you can do it all online too. So there's like a website. I don't have to like fill anything out, go to the post office or yeah. anything like that. So I filled it, I go to this website and it, I just, I just thought it was like so funny how <laughs> poorly, des- not, it's not poorly designed cause it actually does function really well and it's a simple survey, but there were just things about it that I thought were funny. The first of which being like the answers to the question, like the question, the multi-select, like yeah. it's a radio select multi-select. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like a mu- yeah, multi-select where the prompt is like an unfinished question and then the the answers are like all questions. Like my options are all questions, which I just, just thought was like so weird. Um, and another thing that I thought was kind of funny was that their use of icons were just like, just so silly. They look like bootstrap <laughs> icons that are for some reason so out of place for a government website. Um, so for example, like we all know the user <laughs> icon where it's like a circle and a blob and it represents like a human being, right? Like that's for what sure. I think it's like, Font awesome dash user, like FA dash user yep. is probably what this thing is. Um, and it just seemed so out of place with a government website. Like it almost would feel a lot more normal to not even have these like giant icons yeah, next to these sure. descriptions. And they're of so oversized. They're really awkward looking. Um, I don't know. And I just, when I think of government websites, I think of like the DMV website where it's you know, like purely just function and text. Yeah. I, I think this is almost C- brutalist. <laughs> there might be like five lines of CSS written for the whole DMV yeah. website, which is like the background color and like the California DMV website, which is like the background color. Yeah. And I don't know, like the buttons being yellow. It's or just something text like that. and blue links. And it's like, it's like fine. Actually, it's, it's actually one of the better websites I interact with, with yeah. the government. Yeah. Totally. Um, but for some reason, this like census 2020 website was like just so out of place and it, I don't know. But on the bright side, there, I didn't have any UX issues. Like I knew exactly where I was in the survey. Um, I filled yeah. things out. I mean, the questions were kind of confusing where um, the answers sort of seems like, oh, this could be either A or B. Like, I don't know why it's like, mm-hmm. what, what's the difference here? Um, but all in all, I don't know. That was like my funny government website experience of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to see how everyone's trying to adapt and how much technology is playing a role in our new modern lives, even just from everybody collaborating online to video calls to um, collaboration software. It's interesting to see all of that adaptation happening in the industry shifting to those types of things. So stay safe and sane out there. Let's kind of move into our picks for the week. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. Um, you go first. You're going first. Okay, you go. Okay, fine. I'll go first. <laughs> uh, I I have been leaning into Notion so hard, basically like canceling more and more web services that track things and just building it out in Notion. But I found this one guy who is he calls himself Notion Pro. His name is Ben. <laughs> Ben Notion Pro, I don't know his last name here, but I linked the website here and he has all of these incredible Notion examples for these advanced formulas. And you can do things like progress bars and dependent tasks. Like he pushes it really, really far. And I've been implementing a lot of some of his like recommendations and approaches into my Notion workflow. Um, it's been awesome. I've gotten so much out of it. So if you haven't checked out Notion yet, you should. It's not an ad or anything. I'm just really into it. It's like a weird hybrid of notes and database. And this specific repo of Notion examples is really powerful. And then I have sub picks, which I have found recently. 
which work everywhere, not just Notion. But you know when you need to add a link to anywhere, so whether it's an email and you have to like find where the little link button is, Command K works everywhere. You can highlight text and hit Command K and then just paste your link. I did not know that and it works literally everywhere from Gmail to Google Docs to Slack, literally everywhere. It, it's awesome. Even in Markdown on, because I always forget the correct syntax sometimes, like, wait, is the brackets first? So that it even works on GitHub Markdown. So that's the first one. Command K for links is a hot tip. And then the other one is when you want to make new line breaks on things that don't support it, I always th- I couldn't figure out where it was. The universal one is shift enter. So for example, Slack, if you want a new line on Slack or in Figma comments was always one I struggled on. Um, you can actually like make, Shift enter is the solution. So those two keyboard shortcuts I've found recently that are very, very helpful. Interesting. Just don't do command K in your terminal. It'll totally wipe out literally everything. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. It'll wipe out your terminal history. So, but who needs to make a link in terminal? I don't think yes, that's a thing. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. You said that and I was like, command K, that sounds like, oh, that's like a, that's like a <laughs> no, no, but yeah. Um, okay, cool. So my pick is this YouTube playlist and it's um, a series called Crash Course in Computer Science, and it's, Ooh. like, made in uh, collaboration with PBS. But it's this really cool, like, seven-hour-long crash course where I think the description is, like, it's meant to um, – it's, like, meant to follow along with, like, the basic – like, a basic computer science course slash – AP computer science course for high yeah. school kids. And I watched the first two videos and it's really, really cool. It it goes over like the history of computer science all the way back from like um, when computers were basically being invented. And it's like a nice little, um, it's a nice little like, I don't know, se- series of videos to watch at a, at a leisurely pace. Um, yeah, this looks really good. It's cool because so many times I feel disconnected from computer science and what we do. We've kind of talked about that. And it's cool to do what we do with having more of this context. And just like looking at these videos, this looks really cool. This is an awesome tip. How much of it have you watched so far? I've watched the first two videos, um, which is like okay, a total cool. of like 20 minutes. I just watch yeah. them like before I go to sleep. And there's yeah. just like little cool fun fun facts of like – um, like why is Silicon Valley called Silicon Valley? Um, mm. and like, why are bugs called bugs? Um, things <laughs> that one's really fun. Yeah. So like little, little, little tidbits of like, Oh, it's kind of like, it's kind of cool to see, um, why things are the way they are and like how computers used to just be like this huge, huge, these huge, huge machines that like cost thousands of thousands of dollars in such that yeah. like only governments could afford them. And like things were like really inefficient and it took like, you know, it used to take like seconds to calculate, like do basic multiplication. And now we can do like thousands of like hundreds of thousands of calculations, like per second based, like with how fast computers are these days. Um, but it's cool to see where we've come and only as far back as like the early forties. Like, you know, if you think about computer science and like software engineering in general, as like a practice and as like an industry, you know, computers weren't invented, I have only been invented for like, I don't know, rough math, like what, 70 or so years, which is like not really that long if you consider how like old cars are, for example. Yeah, Um, for sure. Or like the concept of cars. Like if you think about like horse-drawn carriages and stuff like that, like, um, you know. But anyways, that's my little, that's my little spiel. Cool. Awesome pick, man. 
Um, thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about the show, you can go to iterationpodcast.com. You can find JP and I's Twitters there. We love to hear from you guys. If you have any suggestions or tips and tricks or things we missed in the episode, um, again, that's iterationpodcast.com. If you feel so inclined, you can leave a review on iTunes. We don't ask for those often, but they actually really do bump our engagement when we get new reviews. I guess we just like bump up because other podcast aggregators actually looking at those. So that's a really good place where they look for like who is good. So when you search, that's how they weight the search oftentimes. So we really appreciate those and it's cool to hear you guys' thoughts, but thanks so much for listening and stay safe and sane out there. You guys see ya. (laughs) 